Through Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Fantastic, my friend. How are you? Good. No complaints here. Um, we had an offensive explosion in the NBA last night from one Damian Lillard. Um, the Trailblazers played the Houston Rockets. They won the game 131-114. No surprise. The Rockets stink. Um, Lillard scored 71 points in 39 minutes. He was 22 of 38 from the field, 13 of 22 from three, 14 of 14 from the free throw line. He also added six boards and six assists uh, for the game. You know, there have been quite a number of offensive explosions this year. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had a 70, uh, 70 point game as well against, oh God, who they played? Was it Boston? I don't remember. Either way, he, he, he had a, he had a great game. And I thought it was funny because, you know, whenever this happens, players get on the, uh, on the, on Twitter and start, you know, saying, oh my God, so-and-so's unreal and all the things just sort of like lauding their peers. And I thought it was funny because uh, Donovan Mitchell went on Twitter and uh, he said, my mom called me and says, Dean Lillard tired your record. So he tied to you at 71. You got to get 72 now. Uh, hilarious, right? Like that's moms, right? <laughs> that's, that's what moms do. Some moms. Yeah. <laughs> Some moms. Yeah. That, I, I, I wanted to know how Donovan responded. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, moms just think, ah, you know, you got to be the best, so go get one more. Like, Mom, I'd love to get seventy-two every night if I could. Right? Yeah, it's really a hard. Lot, a lot has to go right. Yeah, right. that's not the least of which is not my shots have to go in a bunch. Yeah, that's also takes cooperation from the other team. <laughs> yep. Houston mm-hmm. somehow decided to let Dame. They weren't all you know crazy hook shots from twenty-eight feet. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. it's, it. Requires a. As I've said on the show before, um, what I've always told my higher level scoring players is you gotta, you, you're going for your 40s and 50s against the bad teams. Uh, that'll make up for the 20, solid 24 you have against the good ones. Right. That's right. what you have to do. That's the business we're in. And that, you know, you, you always, you know, harken back to the Kobe Bryant game, right? Where you're like, well, Sam Mitchell and the Raptors had yeah. to agree to that, right? Or else that wouldn't have happened. They decided, yeah, we're not switching up what we do. Sure, you're gonna go get in it, and that was the same thing for the for the Rockets last night, right? They did not. The team took 20, 23 threes. Like they were like, eh, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, just seem to be unconcerned. Uh, he, he, you would think that you would try pick him up full court with two guys. Just I know the argument of well, someone else will be open. Okay, that's the plan. Yeah, that's the design. It won't be that dude, the guy <laughs> scorching yeah. us. Um, the, but but we talked this morning. Um, it makes me sad that that Dame. Yep. I I respect wanting to stay in a city. I I have no problem with any of that. As an NBA fan, it makes me sad that Dame's doing it for a team that just it just doesn't matter outside of Portland. Yeah. Imagine yeah. Dame Lillard on the twelve teams that are contending. What that would mean? <laughs> Instead, you know, yeah. we're not going to see him after like April twelfth. <laughs> he is correct that is that is the end of the season and uh yeah the the, the trailblazers will not be there because they currently sit in 11th place right now so they're outside of the plan now granted they're only half game behind so they can probably sneak in but even if they sneak into the plan i think i mean nothing's ever guaranteed but we're, we're pretty confident that they're not getting into the playoffs and even if they do whoopee your challenge your your, your award for being the eighth seed is round one with the nuggets which None of us believe they can beat the Nuggets in a best of seven game series. Correct. Yeah. So again, Dame Dame gets to choose whatever life he wants. Um, and uh, if a team wanted to trade him, and Dame said, "Nope, you know, I want to stay here." Fine. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I just I don't want his last breakout game, a monster game, to be in such a meaningless game. And I, yeah. I'm hope. I mean, the good news is he looks incredible. I, I wrote, I said that, and wrote that in like week two. Like his speed is back. I remember calling Henry yeah. too. His speed is back. Oh yeah. So uh, now his stroke is great. Like he's yeah, he's amazing. I like him to do it for a better team. And and he's having um he's having a very good season. Great as well. season. Maybe um, career season. What what? Yeah, uh, his best season in terms of uh, estimated plus minus. Uh, he is top three in the league right now, just behind Joel Embiid. Yo- Jokic is first, then Embiid, then Lillard. Right, right. so he's so, having a monster. So the one team in the West, the three seed in the East, and the Blazers. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. Yep, <laughs> MVP candidate. Co- correct. Correct. A different you team. Are- 100 percent correct on that one just not gonna happen in portland all right speaking of teams that are um contending well at least one of them thinks they're a contender um in the dallas mavericks the other one the lakers well when you have lebron you always at this stage of his career they're loaded you're hoping they're they're loaded you're a contender all right they're just not in a place position wise in the standings to be there but the west is jumbled up so who knows what'll happen but anyway they uh mavericks and lakers played a game yesterday um abc one of the abc games Mavericks had a lead, blew it. Um, the Lakers came back to win an important game for them, obviously. Following the game, uh, Jason Kidd was asked by reporters um, about the, the team the team blowing the lead. And he said, I'm not the savior here. I'm not playing. I'm watching, just like you guys. As a team, we got to mature. We got to grow up. And I know as a coach, that bothers you, right? Because, I mean, a coach shouldn't just be watching. <laughs> a coach should be coaching. Well, yeah, so there's two things. One would be, that which I'll get back to. Two, did they not make the Western Conference Finals last year? They sure did. Did Kyrie Irving not have not go to two finals and actually maybe more, maybe four, and won uh, a championship? Yeah, correct, correct. What are we talking about here? Josh Green, mm-hmm. like that guy has to mature. <laughs> uh, Luca won an MVP of the Euro League, you know, and uh-huh. the championship and the ACB. I don't understand what he's talking about. So that part bothered me. But the, the watching part, yeah, I felt chills down my spine. Like, I, I really, I have a problem with this when I see uh, coaches watching. Because that's what they're doing. Uh, you shouldn't be getting paid. You're, getting, you're, you're already getting a great seat. So you want to give up your salary and just sit there? with? I mean, what are we doing? I just, I can't believe Mark Cuban... Is going to see that and think, yeah, this is our guy, the watcher. Well, we got the watcher. No. I, I, I'm with you. I, I read a little bit more just now while you were talking. I was like, who, who is he possibly talking about? So, and Winhorse said this just now on ESPN. Apparently, the maturing part is directed at Doncic. And I think what Kid is alluding to is, and 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 you you've you've seen this watching the games. Luca argues every yeah. foul call and. Well, if you're arguing foul calls and not getting back to where you belong, well, now we got five on four, four on three of their end, and we're getting killed. It's like, and I think uh, Kid had another comment about that. Um, just focus on that play. You can't get distracted with the whistle. You got to keep, keep playing. It just happens that way. We've seen a lot of basketball games when you have big leads and you know which way the whistle is going to go. And I guess, you know, that was his point is that the whistle started turning on them and they got affected by the whistle, which, you know, that happens. You got to play through that. So, so that's it. Kid's fired. Because you called out. No, Luka. seriously, he's fired. <laughs> he, but not not just because he called them out, because you have failed demonstrably in your job, where the only thing left care. for you to do yeah. is go to the press. You've coached this guy for how many years? Three seasons. 
Uh, was last year his first year? Yes. I think Maybe so last year seasons. was his first season. Yeah, so it's still almost two seasons. You've yeah. had him for yeah. 100 plus games, and right. you have to go to the media to inspire him to get back on defense. You have failed. Next, plenty of guys. <laughs> right, I, I watched, I told you, I watched Ronnie Burrell with the Nets last night. Uh, I don't know this man. Never I wouldn't know him if he was next to me in a, in a, in a restaurant. Well, maybe I would now. Um, I wouldn't have before. And their team is flying around everywhere. I mean, I was just so impressed with their rotations. Um, let's give him a try. Let, let, let's, let's get someone that's not afraid of Luca uh, and, and tell him, you can complain all you want. It just means we're not going to be as good as we could otherwise be. That's your choice. Uh, it's on you. And then you can also impact playing time. Hey, Luca, we're better off when you're sitting when you're going to play like this. So you're out. And and yeah. Cuban needs to have his back on that. But to go to the press, I had just no patience right. for that when you're upset with a player. No patience. Um, well, we were going to talk about this later, but let's bring it up now. So the Hawks just signed Quinn Snyder to a five-year deal. Look, I don't – we can squabble and pick hairs. Who's a better coach between Quinn Snyder, uh, Nate McMillan, and Lloyd Pierce, right? Uh, whatever. I think ultimately, in terms of like X's and O's, Ultimately, the goal is who is going to get Trey Young to do the things that you need Trey Young to do to win, right? And in the NBA, seemingly, this is the challenge when you are the head coach and there's a superstar. You often say it, right, David? Much easier to get a new head coach than it is to find a superstar talent player. But your job as the coach is to get that superstar player to do what he needs to do. Your your line is always, our first job is to inspire, right? And that not just like the rock, this inspiration means a lot of different things in that context, right? How do you get them to give a shit about the things that they're not elite at? It's like, yeah, Trey, I know you can score, but dude, I need you to not be a turnstile on defense. Yeah, you're six foot and limited. No, understood. I don't expect you if you get switched on like a six foot seven dude, but you have to try, right? You have to give effort on that and be a good team defender. And that seems to be a challenge for the last two coaches. I'm not sure if Quinn's going to be able to get through, but he's the next one to get to get a shot to try. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, I wrote an article a couple of years ago after that Eastern Conference Finals appearance of them. They, I think they lost in six games, even in that series. Mm-hmm. So the Bucs. Yeah. Um, like, this team's going to championship. Well, that's a swing and a miss by me. They, they, well, this is what we can never really know, is what's happening at the top. And it's just trickled down into the third coach in four years. And uh, Jake Cambridge is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Capella's still there. We'll see how long that lasts. Trey Young is still there. We'll see how long that lasts because that's what we're talking about here. Is and what's really interesting is we started the show with Luca and Trey. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be connected, always because of the always. draft situation. And when Luca, when uh, when Trey was killing it, even though Luca had more national fanfare, I used mm-hmm. to love tweeting. Try telling the Hawks they lost that deal because they were <laughs> loving their guy. Right. right. Well, I don't know who's happier or unhappier now. I really yeah, don't. Right. That was a home game Dallas lost to the Lakers the other night. Up 20-something early and so lost. Both those guys have issues. Quinn brings, a, a, I think, we don't know what Lloyd Pierce can do. I don't, th- I don't right. think. Uh, Nate has been the same guy pretty much forever, um, for good or for bad. But we don't know about Lloyd. Um, we know who Quinn Snyder is. He's going he's gonna to put, put in the blender. He's going to build a blender offense, lots of passing. He, he's a big believer in... People play better defense if they're touching the ball. That's a philosophy sure. of his. I don't think he's changed it. So we'll see a lot of passes. 
a commitment to defense for sure. They don't have Rudy Gobert. He made it easier for everyone. But um, he's solid. I don't know if he's a good playoff coach. He hasn't been before. He's allowed to, to get better. Um, but unless Trey changes, it probably doesn't matter. And, you know, is Quinn the guy to get him to change, right? We don't know. We'll see. I mean, how many times have you have you watched a Hawks game? And if Trey doesn't have the ball, sometimes he's even out of the frame of what's going on on the screen. It's like, well, <laughs> it's true. dude, that, that's not, that ain't, that's not yeah. good, right? That's not helpful. Yeah, you got to coach him up. Now you got to really coach him up and demand more from him. So I think, you know, one as as an NBA head coach, right, you're you're kind of the dynamics are different, right? Because while you are ostensibly in charge because you are the head coach, the players make more money than you. And the star player is definitely makes more money than you, right? And these franchises give these keys to these young guys, right? Think about it. Trey comes into the league, gets the keys to the franchise on day one, but he hasn't done anything yet. Like right? And I think that is the failure on the organization to have the right culture instilled so that eh, when you do some things in this league, we can talk about you having a little bit more impetus and input, but not on day one as a rookie. Yeah. Right. Like that's, yeah, that there has apply. to be, I mean, I, it, agents have a lot of power. And so, uh, and that's a factor we have to get into uh, the executive. You would like the executive to tell the player and the head coach, I'm always siding with my coach, uh, especially early in your career. And you don't know what you're doing. So this is what we expect of you or else playing time is going to be effective, whatever. The agent will push back and say, we're going to demand a trade. That's I, I in my fantasy world, the GM is, is a little vengeful. It says, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to trade you to either the worst franchise or right, yeah. to a place where he won't, your guy won't start because he's not mm-hmm. as good as their, their guys. We'll, we'll pull a deal mm-hmm. and your guy mm-hmm. won't play. And then mm-hmm. good luck keeping him as a client. Now you'll lose future athletes of his, but so what? If he's not going to be yeah. participating in what's yeah. best for the player. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a leverage battle for sure. That's a leverage battle for sure. And um, bottom line is Trey's going to get a chance to show that he can be a better all around player and teammate. And if he doesn't do it, I think they'll trade him. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, the third coach, I think this will be the last draw, right? If it, if it happens again, it's like, okay, well clearly the coaches aren't the problem. Yeah. Right. And which right. we are kind of already suspect they're not. Right. Um, so we'll we'll see what the organization does here. And it's also worth noting that Travis Schlenk, who used to be there, is no longer the GM there, right? So that's it's very important Big to notice that. Huge deal. Um the Nuggets won last night. It's like none of a back to back uh against the Clippers. Uh Nikola Jokic had an outstanding triple double. Uh yet again, he was phenomenal. Nuggets are 23 and 0 when he has a triple double, which is an amazing stat. And uh we're gonna do something on the on the website on troop.com about this. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Um, a little a little later, but I thought it was something interesting to, to talk about uh, here on the on the show, Coach, because you know Nick Young brought up the fact that you know Jokic is averaging a triple double this season and he's likely going to win his third straight MVP, which we, you and I both agree he is he's the best player in, in basketball right now and should be number one team in the West, all that. Um, and Nick Young's uh, tweet was. When why when Russ was averaging a triple double three straight years, it was a problem. He was stat padding, but the Joker does it, and he can win his third MVP. They, being the Nuggets, do the same thing every year. They have great stats, great regular season, and they get their ass whipped in the playoffs, but no criticism. And there's so much to unpack uh, in that statement uh, by Nick. The first thing is that you know, and you and I agree on this: the MVP is not a playoff award; it's a regular season award, right? And it always has been. Um, we have an award for the 
Finals MVP, right? It's called the Finals MVP. Now, if you want to make a playoff Which MVP like. award, I'm totally, Love that. I'm totally down Love with that. that. Let's yep. do it. Let, instead of just the finals, who was the best player all playoffs right. long? Now, it probably is going to be the person who wins. Like, but whatever, like, we can figure that out as that happens. Um, but I think as human beings, we have a problem contextualizing things that happen in the moment based on historical precedent. And what I mean by that is, Jokic is going to do something only two other men have done. Bird for sure won three straight. Was Wilt, it? I think Wilt won three straight. Wilt, and Russell. I think Wilt. Okay, Wilt and Russell. Okay. Yeah. So either Legends. way, ain't a whole lot of people Legends. done that, right? Three people done this. Legends in the game. And all of those legends have something in common. They've won titles. Luke, uh, Luka. Jokic has not. And I think that is what's got people's brains malfunctioning and acting ridiculous. Like, wait a minute. This guy's been winning MVP for the third straight year, but his team going to flame out. We don't know because this year hasn't happened yet, but his teams flame out in the playoffs. They don't do anything. Are we sure this guy's the best player in the world? What's going on here? So I think that is part of the problem that's got people's brains really malfunctioning. The other piece is something Henry's talked about before is, you know, the media famously gave Steve Nash back-to-back MVP awards and got rightfully got killed for it, rightfully so, right? Nash was incredible, but two-time league MVP? Probably not. Um, and I think a lot of fans who were around during that time have similar, you know, PTSD about, what are you talking about, this guy winning two-time, two MVPs? So that's a lot, I think, of, what, of what's at play here. But what say you? Well... First of all, when he won it, we didn't really have advanced metrics like we do now. I don't think that would have happened now. Um, Definitely not. I don't care that. I, I don't, first of all, I don't think Nick Young is right uh, to say what he to say what to write what he wrote as if the injuries to Denver players didn't happen in the postseason. It's a regular season award. His teams uh, have only I think been knocked out of the first round once, uh, but they were missing Jamal Murray. Like, come on, it's where we need to be dealing with real evidence to make smart Mm -hmm. arguments. He's the best player in the world as I see it. His advanced metrics show it. His team is running away with the West. His competitors haven't done great. They've done, well, I'm incredible. They've done great. Maybe not incredible. Embiid's Embiid's very good. Mm -hmm. But he's the third seed in the East right now. Mm -hmm. And Jokic just has better numbers. Um, it, it, our our yeah, the Nash story is is a fair thing to to now look at what's happening. Is it another one of those situations? But I don't care that Jokic hasn't won before. I don't have a vote, but if I did, I'd vote for the best regular season performer, which is what I think that it should be called most outstanding player. I think we should get rid of most valuable, but that's a whole separate most valuable no, you're finals, right. but most outstanding MOP. And then MVP mm-hmm. of the finals was what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's impossible to argue Jokic isn't the best player, you know. Who, who, and who are we taking that's won championships? KD hasn't played. Steph Curry, mm-hmm. his team had to make the playoffs, and he's been injured. Right. Who are we picking? Right. Embiid, right. how many yeah. rings has he won? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just makes no sense. So uh, it's just guys talking to talk. Um, he's the best player. And now if Giannis had played a whole season – and you want to argue because they beat Phoenix a couple of years ago, he deserves it. It's a bad argument, but at least it's an argument. But as of now, the only other competitors, Tatum hasn't won. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
What are we doing? LeBron is they'll, we'll ta- they'll say Tatum's gotten to the finals. And it's like, you know, and again, it's, look, winning the finals is a one in 30 lottery chance, right? We say it every year. Like, it's just not like so many factors go into you winning and losing an NBA finals. Um, and two years ago, or whatever, the bubble year, three years ago, they got to the conference yeah. finals, the Denver Nuggets. So let's not act like, you know, Jokic stinks every in the playoffs. That is patently untrue, but, right? But even if it was true, it doesn't matter. Right, because it's not a playoff award. Right. It's it a, a regular season it's award. That's all it is. And uh, I, I think there's pushback against Westbrook for lots of different reasons. But um, we're allowed – first of all, I, I don't – I mean, the guy did win the MVP. So he he, sure did. So let's – we can't argue he got denigrated when he won the MVP on a six-seeded team. Mm-hmm. So where is your grievance exactly? <laughs> that someone in the in the mist and the you know said some negative things. The guy was the fucking MVP. All right, um, this this guy's leading the West by a lot. How many wins do they have now? Forty. Oh, there are yeah, forty. Well over forty wins. Yeah, uh, it's not forty nine. Let's see. They are 43, 43 yeah. and nineteen. Come on. Yeah, and how many, they've won a bunch in a row. They're playing well. He's the best player in the world. But I mean, deal with it next. Seven and three, seven and three in their last ten. And actually, they're not that far behind Boston. Boston's forty-four and seventeen. Right. So, Gordon has been know. out. Murray was out. Then Gordon has been out. Gordon just came back last night. Mm-hmm. They're playing Christian Brown, the, the number thirty <laughs> pick from Kansas, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Like he's yeah. in the rotation. You know, they're yeah. playing yeah. Reggie Jackson, who they, who just was bought out, mm-hmm. had lost his starting mm-hmm. spot in L.A. He's playing a lot, so. It's a flawed team, and they're still doing this because of Jokic. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because the conversation around Jokic touches on so many different things, uh, David. Like, also, look, and it's it's no secret. It's the, there's, there's a race factor involved in it as well, right? Like, and there's also this sort of fight and control for who gets to tell basketball story, right? And Henry often talks about this, and. I think there's a segment of fans who don't like that nerds with laptops, right? Are, are seemingly loud voices telling basketball stories, right? And for us, we're curious about the game, right? We love it, of course. And we're like, our eyes are saying this thing. But do the numbers match up with what our eyes are telling us, right? Now, I don't know how you don't watch Jokic and your eyes and the numbers both tell you the same thing, right? There, there's no debate in that. Your eyeballs... And the numbers tell you the same thing. Like, well, this guy is unreal, right? Yes, I know that when they played the Sixers, Joel Embiid demolished him head to head, and that that should that sure. is one hundred percent a factor. Yep. yep, that matters. Joel Embiid outplayed him head to head. That is a factual statement to make. But again, the MVP isn't given to who had the best one on one matchup with the other MVP candidate that one time. Like, you know, it. Yes, it, it's it's a thing, but in the totality who has helped their team more and better your eyes and the numbers say it's Jokic. I think so. I think it's a good tiebreaker. If you, if the guys are very, very close to metrics mm-hmm. and team wins and all of that, mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. at head to head. You, you could, you could, mm-hmm. um, there's no scripted definition. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's, he's the best player in the league. And, and he should David, he Jokic is a full point ahead of a point plus ahead of Joel Embiid in estimated yeah, plus minus. Yeah. Not only, which is for those, you know, we use that, that term a lot. 
That is, what does your team do when you're on the floor per uh, 100 possessions, right? And when Jokic is on the floor, his team outscores the other team by almost nine points a game, 8.5 when he's on the floor. Um, and in terms of estimated wins thus far this season, 13.9 for Jokic, 10.6 for Embiid, right? So, I mean, they, right. the numbers are what they are. Right. <laughs> you don't like it, have your guy win more games. You know, <laughs> right. and and uh, the racial component. I, I'm not an expert on this. I, I'm I'm experienced in many racial issues. I'm not an expert on the racial component of this voting, but um, I don't care that some racist dude in Ohio is bitching <laughs> about Westbrook's triple double. I don't care. I mean, I I care ultimately, but it's not something that's affecting me or anyone else that matter in day to day. I don't think our media cares anymore. Uh, the evidence, again, Westbrook has won an MVP. And, and let's be fair, you're a black man. Mm-hmm. And do you think Russell Westbrook f- made sure he would get more triple doubles in the year he won, oh, the, tri- won the award? Without, I mean, we, it was, we've seen, he stole rebounds away from Steve Adams. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't remember that, but that's funny. <laughs> like, that's funny. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> It happens. Yeah. It 100% and I don't happened. see that with Jokic. It's easier. He's seven feet tall. He's easier to rebound. The ball's right. in his hands a ton. He's not a, he's not a primary ball handler. He, he, I mean, he's not a primary dribbler. He's a primary ball handler. Um, it's, he's, it's effortless for him, which we're writing about this week. It's, he's just a really unique, unique guy. Um, I will say this to defend Nick Young. I always want players looking for this. Because when we talk about what, what white privilege is, I'm no expert on that either, but I, I am aware that typically privilege means you don't see things that you might otherwise see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm always up for people to point mm-hmm. out to me what, what I might be missing because of the color of my skin or my, my place in this world. So I'm always fine with you, Nick. Just be right. Mm-hmm. right I right. don't care what happened in the playoffs. It's not a playoff award, but keep right. bringing it. That'll keep us focused and accurate. 100%. We want to tell the truth. 100%. And, you know, to, to put a bow on this, right? So Westbrook's average triple-double is, is MVP year. Won it. Did it for a few seasons after that. Didn't finish anywhere inside the top five, right? And so the conversation on a lot of media was triple-doubles don't matter, right? Like Because they're like, because if it did, why did he win it one year and then fall out of the top five? So that is so that was a factual thing that happened. And now Jokic is doing it and people are bringing, in the media, bringing up triple-doubles again, right? So to some people... I can see how they, it looks like a double standard, right? But it isn't. It's just contextual, right? Because right. again, take it with the triple doubles. Even if you just right. move that out of the right. out, out of the equation, just the raw num- the raw counting stats are ridiculous. If you like counting stats, right? Rebounds of, like, and, and then metrics, yeah. The, and then the advanced metrics, yeah. right? <laughs> they're, they're all pointing in one direction. Now, here's what you can say: If for whatever reason the Nuggets flame out in the playoffs, it is a fair criticism to then be like. Hey, Jokic, how come your teams don't perform in the postseason? That's a fair thing to ask because that's it happened, right? It's not about the MVPs, but you can say, for an all-time great player, dude, three MVPs, your teams don't seem to perform well in the playoffs. Why is that? Are you the cause of that? Because aren't asking those kinds of questions. And that's totally fair in my book. I mean, right. The guy, the guy that was running the team before Calvin Booth uh, is the guy that traded his future for Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. So let's not let's not think he's somehow saved basketball I, and i like i like tim Connolly, but we don't know if he's a good gm yet 
Minnesota thinks he is. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, uh, it wasn't. I'm not impressed that you drafted Jokic in the 40s. That doesn't impress <laughs> me one bit. You got lucky, for sure. If you really were sure he was that good, you'd have moved up to get him without right. any question of your in your my mind. Um, Calvin Booth is a first year guy running it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like him just fine. I liked him as a player. No, no idea yet if he's good as an executive. Um, I know they're depending on some pretty iffy players to play major minutes in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile, they're they're playing great right now, and it's a regular season award. That's that. That's that. Um, one thing I want to talk about from uh, some of the games yesterday that Phoenix Milwaukee game was was you know it was a, it was a spirited contest. Yeah. Uh, went, went went down to the end. And you you highlighted a, a, a Drew Holiday play. And he's yeah. like, Drew the Magnificent. Yeah. Um, you know, Drew Holiday is for sure maybe the best on-ball, you know, wing defender in the NBA. Um, and if you hear the great scores, they'll tell you about it, right? Or the great players, like who who is who's who's guarding him, right? Kevin Durant will say it's Drew Holiday. Like really? Know, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Drew Holiday. His hands are strong, like his lower body is so strong, like he just he understands angles and as I he gives a shit about defense, right? Like actually puts in massive effort on that side of the floor, and all that matters. But there was a play that he had on book that you that, that you liked in that game. I mean, that was that was to win the. I uh, was it tie the game or win the game? It had been maybe been mm-hmm. to tie the game. So late in the game, very late. Booker's driving. Drew strips him with his left hand, his inside mm-hmm. hand. Mm-hmm. Pretty phenomenal play. Booker didn't complain one bit. Right, because clean clean it, it was just <laughs> Drew got him. Right, Devin's had yeah. his days too. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, I, the, the play before that, Devin scored on him, right? Uh, got to the second box, yeah. your, your favorite spot yeah. on the court. Got up over, and by the way, Drew played excellent defense sure. on that shot. Just it yep. went in. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Drew is something. He's really an amazing defender. He, he he's, uh, he, I think he's the best at that position. Yeah. He, the other thing that's important for them, David, and this was evident in their run to the championship two years ago. If he's shooting and playing like this offensively for them yeah. too, well, then now it's yeah. like, well, no, I'm <laughs> really legit. I, I'm two way monster. I'm mad at myself for even equivocating on Milwaukee because of Middleton. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, ma- that matters, though. That matters, I think. I, I, did, I, thought, I thought he just isn't going to have time, and I probably was wrong. We'll see because we're not in the playoffs yet. We'll know in the playoffs if he, he's not doing great now, but they find, found a way to win without him. They, I think they'll need him in the postseason. But Drew's emergence on offense has made a big difference for, for them. Yeah. And, Yo- and Giannis is out now. He is. All right, guys. We'll be back after this brief commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, guys. Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. All right, David. Um, the Warriors, they're a team that we've been talking about a lot. Um, they are the defending champs, but we're also like, man, this, I mean, they're essentially a 500 team. This is who they've been all season. Right. They've been a couple games under, a couple games above. That's where they've hovered for now well over 60 games. Bill Parcells, famously former NFL head coach, said this. At some point, you are what your record says you are. And that's what the record says about Golden State. Their advanced metrics say pretty much the same thing as well. They're 18th on defense, and I want to say maybe 14th on offense. Let's see if my math is right. Uh, yep, 18th on defense, 14th on offense. Look at that. Good, good memory. Um, so they're, you know, that is statistically definition, right. middle of the road. <laughs> that is what they are. But that win against the Timberwolves last night, uh, Kerr called it an enormous win. That was a team win, Kerr said. Everybody came in there and competed and played well. Against a team we're tied within the standings, that's just an enormous win. They're all big. I like this one, the grit we had, and we had to show it to get it done. And I think that's important and that matters. But I just, I don't see it with this team, David. I don't think they can find that magic switch and just flip it all come postseason. Everything's going to be good to go. Because again, this is the regular season where you get to play shit teams, right? They ain't going to play any shit teams in the playoffs. Everyone's going to be good. So this is like, ah, we'll just find a switch. As Draymond said in that quote that I gave you that you love, we got to go get it. It ain't coming. Now, they went and got it last night against Minnesota, but let's be real. Minnesota's got issues. No Rudy Gobert in that game, I don't think. No no Gobert, Cats. no Cat. Right. And Conley, so, I mean, and Conley is no D'Lo. Right. So, I mean, you know, but you know, I get it. Kerr's got to kind of give them the right, you know, pump up in the in the media. I mean, they, they had a great late game run to, to take that win. They were, not, they were not projecting to win most of the game. That I saw. Um, yeah, you know, they're, uh, we, you know, they have that championship pedigree. Sure. I'm sure Chris, Chris uh, Nick Young loves them. But um, <laughs> they just don't have the chops defensively. Their starters are great. Their reserves are not. And you're going to ride your starters in the playoffs as much as you can. But I, I believe in depth in the postseason. I really do. And they just, they just aren't going to be there. And, you know, the other thing, and we talked about this briefly before with the Warriors, the pool situation, right? Like, he hasn't been great this year. Uh, I don't think he shot the ball well last night, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, and I think when they're, when, they're, when, they're, when they're doing well, when they were doing well last year, I mean, he was, he was awesome, right? And I think he's so much a key yeah. for them. And then they, did, and they depend on, you know, Kaminga and a young uh, – it's fine. But in the playoffs, are you going to trust right. them? Maybe not, right? And that's – this is, I think, and we say it all the time, this is often how dynasties end, right? Like, it's very rare that you go out on top winning the championship. It's just... What, what was Curry's injury? Oh, a lower leg, yeah. something or other. So, yeah. He's not going to be rested. It's different if you're, if you're upper, if it's an upper body, like hand, arm, right. your legs are going to be great. Well, not if you're rehabbing and stuff. Right, right. So, yeah, listen, I, they will likely, and Clay had a good game last night, uh, shooting the ball anyway. Um, they'll likely get in the be in the plan. And look, in a plan, you got to win. I think one, depending on where they fall, right. they don't have to win one game. Right. So sure, they can do that. But again, marching through a tough Western Conference for three straight rounds, 
I just don't think they got the chops to do it this year. I completely agree. Um, I wanted to touch on the Nets really quick, Coach. So they they got um, in the Kevin Durant trade, of course, Cam Johnson and Mikkel Bridges, right? Uh, two really good players, really good young players. Remember when Cam Johnson got drafted um, and Kobe White was like, oh my God, Cam Johnson went 14th? Right? Like uh, to the Suns, like he was like 25 years old. Yeah. Right. And, and it's often what happens, right? In the NBA, we prioritize youth because we're like, you know, if you're 25, people think that's who you are already as a player. And, you know, you can develop late. That It happens, right? But that's the difference between good teams and bad teams, right? Good teams are like, no, I think we got something here. We can work with it. Bad teams are like, oh, 25, you are who you are, too old, get lost. It's like, okay, well, you missed out. <laughs> um, but Cam Johnson had, had, you know, when he played for Phoenix, had good defensive numbers, as did Mikel Bridges. Small sample size, but I thought it was interesting. In the last five games, neither has been very good defensively, nor has the Nets. They have the 29th ranked defense in their last five games. Um, and they, I mean, some ugly losses. Like, now small sample size again. Like, stuff happens, but the Bulls scored 140 yeah. on them. The Hawks roasted him last night. And Cam Johnson was talking about this after the game. He's like, you know, not making excuses, but there's a little bit of like stuff I have to get used to here. Being I played one style of defense, team defense in Phoenix with certain kind of terminology. It's completely different here. But in a game, I find myself reverting back to my instincts and going back to what I used to do for the first part of my career. And as a coach, David, I know this is something that, you know, you, you, you deal with this. And it is hard, right? Because teams do different things defensively. And to get traded midseason to a different defensive scheme, that's going to take some time and some adjustment. I mean, teams sometimes pivot in season. Uh, uh, if you watch the Pacers play, they're starting to force more middle than they were before. I, I don't know why. Uh, and I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying I don't know what the reasoning was other than they were a terrible defensive team. And um, so it does happen. But to your point, uh, Cam Johnson had played a whole bunch of games for Phoenix and, and had success. And um, clearly the Nets have a different strategy. Uh, it's also, a, uh, it takes a while to connect. Like they've got some new, new they've got basically four new guys, right? Mm -hmm. Around Claxton. Mm -hmm. No, three. Spencer, Cam. Spencer, Cam, and Mikhail. And Mikhail. So three mm -hmm. still. Oh, four. Oh, and Dory Finney. Yeah, that's why I think four originally. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're all starting. <laughs> They're all starting together with uh, with class in a five, so um, yeah, this is this is going to take some time. And uh, I've been saying from the beginning, they have assets now, meaning those guys they have an overabundance of wing defenders, mm -hmm. so they can trade some for something else and kind of a new look kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you know, there's there's a number of places that they can do a deal with. And and probably make it mutually beneficial for both teams. So for now, we'll have to sit back and, and wait. Um, is Ben Simmons back yet? He he was out the last game again with the, with right. the knee. Like on, like David, if he plays again this season, like I, I agree. Like, Very sad. It 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 really is because. Like, and I get it, it's funny. Everybody's like, oh, like, you know, he doesn't, he's afraid to shoot the ball. Like, and it's, you know, dominates Twitter and people like to, you know, make fun of that stuff. All that stuff aside, this was an all NBA level player and an all defensive first team DPOY candidate type of guy. First pick of the draft. He's a shell of yeah. that now. A literal shell. Like, as a human being, that is a sad, sad. 
turn of events. Yeah, deal with back pain too. Like, who knows? It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's too bad. It's everything. It's too bad. It's, it's everything altogether. And as we talked about last week, I don't know that an NBA environment is the right place yeah. to get him right. I, I just don't think that it is. The evidence would suggest that you're right. Right, so far anyway. Yeah. It's, you know, so we'll, we'll see what the Nets do there, but you know, it, it's, it's pretty evident. I want to touch on the, the Phoenix side again. So you just said four new guys are on Claxton, right? So that's going to take time. Does Phoenix have any sort of advantage? Cause they're only plugging in one guy as opposed to four new guys. Well, yeah. And that guy is Kevin Durant. <laughs> so uh, he, they, everyone kind of knows how he plays, uh, where he wants the ball, how he's going to play. Um, he's going to help your team right away. He's going to make tough shots. He's the best. Mm-hmm. I think I saw a chart uh, like success of players in the toughest shots. He's way he's above everybody, like mm-hmm. like off the page, by far. So, <laughs> they, yeah, they should be fine defensively. There'll be some figuring out too. There'll be a figuring mm-hmm. out no matter what. There's also the the issue of do I take this because KD's over there? Mm, yeah, like you got to yeah, get yeah. past that. Yes, you, know, you got to get past that. That's good. So that, that as you bring that up, that's, that's interesting. So that's the that's the human element to this, yeah. right? So these guys, as much as they are NBA players, they also like we know go, oh, that's Kevin Durant over there, right? But at some point, right, like you have like it, it doesn't matter, like right, like whatever our philosophy is, right? You always yeah. say Pop's famous quote: "I don't design a play for you to score; I define us. it for we to, for us right, to right, score." Right? right? Whatever the best thing for us is, that's what we're doing right. in the moment now. And many times it's going to be give that dude the ball. Yes, that's going to be true in many cases, but not every case. And I think that's the part they have to kind of, kind of get 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 through, and that, that will take some time. And they don't have a lot of time. Twenty twenty games, yeah. and we're done. We're done April 9th, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You know, this is interesting. So obviously, Phoenix is going to be one of the more mid range heavy teams, yeah. well, the most yeah. in, in 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 the NBA. Most defenses in the league right now, the way they're designed push you towards the mid-range, right? They want to take away threes and shots to the rim. Well, this is it. And I, um, Kirk Goldsberry, um did this, and I thought it was interesting. Over the past 25 seasons, there have been nearly 1,700 instances of a player taking at least 250 mid-range field goal attempts in a season. Among that group, there are only three instances of a player shooting 55% from the mid-range in a season. And they're all Kevin Durant. <laughs> 2003, this year, last year, and 18-19. I'm like, that is insane. That is insane. It, it is the ultimate bailout, right? We're like, oh, we're stuck in the mid-range. Well, this guy can get a shot off. <laughs> no, no problem. We got that. I think it will be interesting to see defensively, right? Do teams switch up and say, well, let's make them take threes as opposed to mid-range. Yeah, flood I mean, the second box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worthwhile considering. Yeah. I mean, but as you as you always say, it, but you can't give them a steady dose of anything, no. right? No, like, you got to keep you, guessing a little bit. Yeah. Right. M- mix it Creates up. them down their minds. Yeah. Um. So the NBA and MBPA are negotiating a new collective bargaining agreement, which is very important, right? Because we don't want a lockout. Um, that's that's bad for all parties yep. involved. Um, and it looks like they are getting close. Apparently, among the critical issues they're trying to work out, um, and this is from the Shamshrani report, they're negotiating new luxury tax tiers and rates to increase the lower tier and make it more viable for teams to spend money into the tax. And as salaries continue to increase across the league, increasing the lower tax bracket tier allows the tax tiers to match up with the money being spent. And I do think that matters, right? Because as the salaries in the BRI creeps up, you, I mean, you have to change the tax yeah. the tax levels. Now, you and I and Henry, we're kind of like, look, 
I have thoughts about how this should be, right? I think there should be a for sure hard salary floor. Like it can't be a thing where you let these middle market, you know, owners who just want to make money. Right. Okay, we're not going to spend shit. We're just going to we're going to re- share all the revenue. No, 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 no. You have to spend whatever right. that we decide that floor is. But I don't know. It should be a hard cap, right? It's like, look, let's open this up. I always say this. These guys love free markets and capitalism in their everyday life. That's how they made their billions. But in this, they want protections and insurance. And I'm like, well, guys, do the same thing here. If your organization is good and you trust the people you have to run it, let it operate like free markets and you do what you got to do. Yeah. If you own a third or fourth tier market, yes, you have an inherent disadvantage, but you have to work around that. Be smart, right? right? That's, that's what you do in your real business. What, what do you think that's possible? I highly doubt it um, yeah. because billionaires are not going to give each other permission to get in an arms race. Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. And they're not going to want to give up the, you know, the, the, the revenue sharing pot of like, you know, again, why spend what the warriors spend and get a luxury tax when I can get the same cut of the revenue deal right. and spend way less. Exactly right? Right. Like that's, yeah. yeah. You know, that's the, the, uh, the worst of our game. Worst of the league anyway. It is, but it's, this deal is important, David, because what we're talking about here, this is the future of the league. And we, you know, we've had conversations on the phone about this. Um, We're going to be working on something at True Hoop, hopefully about this um, going forward. Sports delivery is changing, right? Consumption and it it has, right? I mean, Max plays for a division one college basketball team. And I get it, it. It's probably very hard for him, but when he was in high school, how many full NBA games was he watching beginning to end? Definitely zero. <laughs> uh, he, he'd, watch, he'd watch games every night. Am I, am I, Definitely well, zero. When, when he got really busy in high school, he watched more in middle school. In high school, between practices and right. AP classes, mm-hmm. yeah, his timing was down. So he'd visit with me. And still will. When he comes home from break, uh, whenever that is again, during the playoffs, whatever, he'll come to my office and I will watch the game, which what. He won't stay for all of it, um, and uh, but he, ne- he he never did. I mean, he did a couple of games when he was in middle school. I would say never happened in high school. And and I definitely know, did is, it all the time in high school. Oh, that's that's the all difference, the right? Like as as you and I have talked about it before. I mean, I remember those Sunday NBC games, Snapper and Bill Walton. This what I mean. All I'm watching every game beginning I know to the end. Theme song. Right, right. You get the round ball rock in your head. The whole thing, like. Kids don't do that now at all. They just do not watch games. Um, uh, morning, uh, morning consult did a report where they tend to like more of the house of highlights, knockout style, one-on-one competitions. Those get way more views from that cohort of, of people than full NBA games. And this matters because as David and people my age age out, well, if those guys don't watch basketball that way, you can't keep delivering it in the same way because whoa. At some point, the when the NBA goes to negotiate his broadcast deal, the broadcast partners are going to be like, "This ain't worth billions of dollars. Right. We we get no ratings." Right. And I'm just curious what the league thinks they're going to do to rectify this. I problem. wondered. I don't know much about this negotiation, but I wondered if they they realize we're we're against against uh, a tough we're in a tough situation here. So let's at least agree to be partners and figure this thing out. We we each have so. the same problem. You're buying teams at four billion a pop. We're trying to make money, and neither is going to happen if fans stop coming. Mm-hmm. So we have to be partners in this. So that made yeah. me encouraged. It gave me some encouraging feelings 
that they had maybe worked this out. Yeah, and and they there there has to be a, a true level of partnership. And you you make the point correctly about the the rates of these teams going four billion dollars. I mean, today Mark Lazary sold his twenty five percent stake, not twenty five percent, for three and a half billion dollars. That's only a quarter of the team for that much. Like that's insane, insane. right? And so as the valuations go up, and, and that's Milwaukee. So as the valuations continue to go up, but ratings and people watching continue to go down. Something, right. the math ain't mathing, as the kids what, say. <laughs> what? When I say Milwaukee, what do you think of? Not sports related. Cold. I think of Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. Happy Day spinoff. Yep, yep. And this team's worth $12 billion? <laughs> yeah, it's wild. wild. I, lo- I like Milwaukee, don't get me wrong. Cool city, cool jazz scene, uh, and uh, great history there. And they love their basketball. All for that. Yeah. All for it. It, it it's wild. I'm just, you know, again, there's so many factors here that the league, the league has to sort of deal with. Right. Um, number one, how do we get young kids to watch games again? How do, or how do we shift the way we're doing it? How do we get star players to play? Right. The load management thing that, that keeps getting talked about there. There's so much at stake here. This, you know, I don't, I'm just going to start doomsday or alarmist, but I think this is just a very critical for all sports right now, how we deliver this, these products, because it's just different now. Yeah. And we have too many things to compete with. How are we going to shift the way we think about our delivery of sports so that it continues to be the thing that we all love? But we shall see. Smart people work in the league. So I guess they'll figure it out. Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's hope so. Never, never, never a good ask strategy, us. right? They're not going to ask us. <laughs> Maybe they should ask I, us. We got great should. ideas. Yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, we will see you all later this week. Everyone, take care.